and welcome to today's podcast. I am Lucy Imanit Aliu. And today in the studios I have with me Andrew Lavalli, Director Institute for Governance Reform. And today we're actually talking about the Citizens Manifesto. So back in twenty eighteen, Sri did a Citizens Manifesto. That Citizen Manifesto was a very influential document then that made seven broad demands on political parties competing in that election. There were demands such as asking presidential candidates to declare assets and liabilities, giving women 40% of party tickets for parliamentary seats, allocating 20% of the budget to education, amongst others. So now your group is about to do another CM for the 2023 elections. Tell us, why is this even important? Well, uh, look, the Citizens Manifesto is important in many respects. And, well, I can just name you three. In the first place, it provides an opportunity for us to bring in citizens' policy priorities into party manifestos. In fact, you know, too often political parties just go and sit in their rooms and develop their own manifestos. So the Citizens' Manifesto provides an opportunity for us to harness what our citizens' views about water, about education, about health care, about what changes they want to see in the life of institutions, so we channel all of that into uh, political party agendas. That's why we always start off with Citizens Manifesto with a public opinion poll. And we make sure that poll is as strong as sometimes the margin of error is just about plus minus 2%. Uh-huh. N- number two, we see the Citizens Manifesto as an accountability tool. And sometimes people just think election is just, you know, an act of voting. You can just go to the ballot box, you you go drop your votes and that's, and that's it. And too often, we have seen Sierra unions voting, but lives hardly change. Yeah. So what we do about the Citizens Manifesto is to see how uh, we bring into that conversation an accountability tool, say, consider doing this. So when once you, you put those in your manifesto, it becomes a tool for which you can be judged. So that's, I know, I, I, to me, the most important the aspect of the Citizens Manifesto is that it, it provides an environmental sober reflection on what the governance priorities are. You know, election time is a time of reflection. And sometimes people think election is a time for dancing, but really it's election is a time for sober reflection as a nation on how the country can move forward, uh, what are the priorities in the next five years, what do we need to keep, what do we need to change. And so... In, in that context, you need, you know, sobriety. So that's why the Citizens Manifesto, the campaign uh, brings in citizens' energy, citizens' idea into that reflection. So one political parties to go sit on radio and then for them to tell you that this is what we are going to do about water, this is what we are going to do about, about health. They can only do that if the manifesto priorities are identified. Yeah. Okay, talking about accountability and reflection. That sounds interesting. So I like the element of ensuring that citizens' policy priorities feed into party manifestos. So how do you go about developing a citizens' manifesto? It's a very robust process, but normally we start with what we call the Knowledge, Attitude, and Practice Survey. So, and uh, the Knowledge, Attitude, and Practice Survey, in the case of this uh, manifesto we're doing in 2018, we actually interviewed 2,400 Unions countrywide robust random sampling of Israel unions to feed into that process. And after that, we did nationwide consultations 
Yeah. Uh, first, identify the priority. Two, build consensus of what those priorities are. You need to build consensus because there are many priorities of the citizens, million things, and everything is a priority. So when everything becomes a priority, you need to further prioritize. So we do the district consultations, and this time round, we consulted with 800 opinion leaders countrywide to identify maybe the first six things or the first ten things that you want the next administration to focus on. It's robust. So you actually see when you go to district, you see women's group, uh, youth groups, uh, traditional authorities. And by the way, police officers, military personnel are all citizens. So they are invited into this citizens' manifesto consultations and priority development. They all vote. So we place the priorities on the wall, and each individual is entitled to a set of votes for you to prioritize. So that's how it's, 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 it's done. We try to create wider understanding and ownership of the manifesto process and the results because it's a national citizen advocacy. Okay, so in that case, what can we see in the upcoming citizens' manifesto for 2020? Are we going to see demand for basic amenities like water, microfinance, health, etc.? There could be, um, and maybe not. Okay. Uh, but the Citizens' Manifesto is going to cover three broad aspects. Uh, so our needs, our demands, and our commitments. That's one. So you can see what the needs are. Then you can see what, what do we demand from government and what do we intend to do. And then the third aspect is how do we intend to implement it? What is the method that we are going to use to achieve what we are putting in the Citizens' Manifesto? That was lacking in the last Manifesto. We brought, put together the Citizens' Manifesto in the first one, but in terms of robust implementation framework, it was not developed and it was not pursued. So for now, we, the first thing, a lot of people need water, some need electricity, some need roads. We say, yes, those are important. So that's the first aspect of the Citizens' Manifesto. The second aspect, how do we achieve what you want us to, what are those things? I mean, water, education. So then we put our demands from government, that those are the things we want to see change, and our priorities. So in terms of demands, we looked at six things that we demand from government. And those demands I normally call things that support behavior change of institutions. And for those six things, I normally divide into into three categories. First is about uh, making policing effective. So we say uh, re minimize police officers on the street and then introduce traffic lights. As a lot of citizens know that some police officers make things difficult for them on the street. Yeah, so, so a lot of citizens are saying the next administration minimize police officers and introduce traffic lights. And then second they say even if there are traffic offenses we want to make payment for those traffic offenses via electronic means. So you can use Airtel money, you can use Orange money, you can use Afri, Afri money, as the case may be. Then the third one, this is actually taken from the last Citizens' Manifesto. Mm -hmm. We are saying we want ethical leadership, and by that we mean people that are aspiring for, to be president, to be members of parliament, to publish their assets, so that you, we actually know um, they are not going in for personal gains. And then the fourth one is about young people. The young people actually force this into the Citizens' Manifesto. They are saying the next administration should ensure that at least 50% of the young people of Sierra Leone, young boys and young girls, between the ages of 15 to 35, 
are employed. They have gainful employment. And the last two on the government side are all around national cohesion. We realize that we cannot get along. We do not get along is because of resource distribution. So we want the next government to distribute government appointments fairly. By that we mean no district or region should get below 15% of the appointment and above 15% of the appointments. And of course the last one actually neatly follows the, 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 the other one which says that political party executives should be paid from the consolidated fund. Why is this important? It's important because too often when one party is in power, the other party that's in opposition, you know, draws the party down. So you're going to fail so that I come, um, I come to power, propel myself to office. So what the CM is suggesting this time, let us all share from the national cake. And we are happy that the Political Party Registration Commission actually proposed this in the last bill, uh, that uh, Political Party Regulation Bill that went to Parliament, but it was taken out by the parliamentary parties. So the Citizens Manifesto is saying we want it in, uh, in party manifestos. And then the, there are six things that citizens say we can, we can do, uh, six broad things. Uh, if you have time, I would just share that. Well, I, well, we don't really have time for that, but I'm sure you... Yes. So, so we said, we don't want to throw do rubbish on the street. Citizens are saying, in the next five years, we will not throw rubbish on the street. In the next five years, we will, we will stop building houses in areas that are unauthorized. Um, we will stop putting undue pressure um, for people who, like judges, magistrates, and election management bodies, and allow the law to take its course. Uh, we will stop paying bribes to police officials and traffic officials, to teachers, people who deliver services, and we will stop begging politicians, members of parliament, for money and for personal gain. And the last one, we will stop the use of social media. Well, this is quite interesting. <laughs> and I'm sure the SLP is one institution that is really going to be in support of this. Well, so this really looks comprehensive. In fact, more detailed than the last citizens' manifesto of 2018. So we saw that the last CM um, was discussed on international media, such as CNN, and your same song by then was even played on BBC. So we only hope you get the similar attention this time around. But going forward, before embarking on this change in the manifesto, tell us, what was achieved in the last citizens' manifesto? A lot, a lot, and a lot, many things. First, uh, it showed the possibility of citizens coming together to develop a set of proposals to influence the platform of political parties. That's one big achievement, just by us getting to coming together. And then the second one, most of the citizens' demands were reflected in the party manifestos. In fact, there was one political party, like the NGC, that developed a compact. Their compact was largely based on the citizens' manifesto. Another issue was that because we raised awareness on those issues, mm. so they became part of the governance architecture that emerged after elections. So it was not just about what happens during election, but the citizens' manifesto was actually carried forward after election. Some of these demands were not achieved, but some were achieved. For example, we requested in the citizens' manifesto that we, we get 20% budget allocation for education. We achieved 22%. We requested that we need 40% symbol allocation to, to women. Four years later, we had a law that is 30% quota. We requested 20% budget allocation to health. 
it's moved from 8% to 11%. So there are certain gains that are made by citizens through just some of the, I, I don't want to call it noise, but the issues raised by citizens and adopted by the ensuing administration. But there are still things that we did not achieve. I mean, for example, asset declaration. Um, that's why, in fact, we brought it back into the New Citizens Manifesto because really no one declared assets. Uh, for example, the issue of, of national cohesion, we brought it again. In fact, this time we are really prescriptive and specific that uh, no one region will receive position above 30% and below 30%. But the most fundamental, we learned something. The most fundamental thing that we learned was that citizens' demands sometimes can be unrealistic and can be unachievable. So what we learn is how do we become realistic and how do we get better? So that, those are some of the, the, the big things to take away from me yeah, in the last one. exactly. Owing to the fact that you can't hold them accountable. But are you hopeful that political parties will listen? Are you hopeful that political institutions will be more open to these ideas from, this, from the citizens? I hope so. You know, but I know from my experience in working in, uh, in the development sector, that change is not automatic. You know, change is an enduring challenge. Uh, it, it takes time. It takes effort. Sometimes you actually learn from failure. Um, and that's why uh, we'll dedicate time to lobbying political parties to understand the benefits of the Citizens Manifesto. Imagine if you have a government in a country like Sierra Leone having a critical mass of citizens, critical mass of voters that say we are dedicated to working with you, we will not throw rubbish on the street, we will promote sanitation, we will promote cleaner environment. What we are saying, it is just befitting for government to dedicate financial support and even policy commitment to, to that kind of uh, um, initiative. And that's why on our part, we, we our, our advocacy is going to be vigorous. We are going to campaign upon the launch of the Citizens Manifesto on the 13th of April. We are going to campaign to political parties to get it integrated. We are going to sit with them and we are going to canvass their support so that together we can make the change. Well, we hope and pray that the change works well for every Syrian out there. So thank you very much, Mr. Lavalli, for having been my guest today in thank this you, podcast. Thank you, Lucy.